sport administrators, sport fans and participants themselves. Sarah and Ash sit down with a bunch of inspiring female leaders from within the sports industry who share their journey of achieving their aspirations. Today's guest is one of the most experienced event managers that you'll find. Ingrid Proud has worked across numerous industries in a variety of sports, from working at her first event at the Goodwill Games in Brisbane to the Rugby World Cup, Commonwealth Games, NBA, the Asian Games, concerts, Olympic swimming trials and the ultimate sporting event, the Olympics. Ingrid has a lot of experience under her belt. But it's not only her experience that has everyone in awe, it's also the way she goes about her work. Ingrid is known for her ability to engage and motivate teams and most importantly have fun along the way. I've personally been lucky enough to experience this firsthand and we are so excited to chat to Ingrid today. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Welcome, Ash, as well. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome, Um, Ingrid. Excited to talk to you today. I mean... The intro include a lot about your experience in the in the sporting industry, but what we wanted to kick off with was probably something more fun and laid back. And what's your earliest memory of sport? My earliest memory, I think I grew up uh, in a small country town called Wondai, Queensland. It's not Bondi like Sydney, which a lot of people always think. It's very different to Bondi. And I think my parents were very heavily involved in the community from all I can remember from the beginning. So in a small town, there's not a lot of, there was always opportunity, but the opportunity was already always minimal at that stage. You know, and I won't tell you my age at this point. So I suppose I got involved in swimming, netball really early with my family because that's sort of, you know, what they were involved in early on as well, particularly from an administration perspective. And also my dad being heavily involved in the community, he had a lot to do with fishing and the races. So I would be, you know, his fishing partner and his golf partner and also be helping out at the country races on the weekends that it was held in the area. So it's probably my earliest memory is is from whenever I can remember. <laughs> I've always had something to do in sport and administration of some description where my parents were always involved in the community. It's a great insight, isn't it? Because I think obviously seeing what volunteers do and how much of a workload that is. It just sets you up for a pretty good career in sport and an eye-opener into how much time people are willing to contribute to, to ensure other people get great experiences. So I'm sure that's obviously played into where you've ended up in your career now. I think differently too, back then, there was no there was technology, but not the technology we know today. So you would inadvertently be doing sport without actually, I suppose, directly participating. So you'd be riding your bikes everywhere. You'd be playing games with your friends. You'd be doing a whole lot of activities outside because you wouldn't, we didn't want to be inside. We wanted to be outside as much as possible. When was it, do you think, I mean, obviously you were embedded in your local community and and playing sport, but when was it that you thought, actually, this is what I want to do as a career? That I can remember really early on, I think. I, I really was did a lot more swimming and netball when I was at school. It sort of worked that netball was my sport that I sort of travelled around in significantly. And I think coming into high school and doing, you know, your grade 12 and bits and pieces, I realised I still want to be involved in sport. I'm not sure if I'm going to be that gold medalist <laughs> as such. I suppose not knowing what were my potential at that stage, didn't know. But I suppose back then, I sort of knew really early on from watching the Olympics and bits and pieces, I've always wanted to be involved, particularly in that administration and organising perspective, because that's what I also really love doing. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about your first role in sport? Yeah, so I suppose, um, apart from being sports captain at school. Yeah, um, leader. <laughs> 
it's you know it's a lot to do in sport captain trying to lead your you know your color to win in in high school <laughs> back then it was very competitive yeah very yeah. competitive and intense yeah yeah um I think coming out of university, I did do uh, leisure management and sport and tourism marketing. And my first sort of job out of university was with Sports Federation of Queensland, which is now called Q Sport. So they were an administrative body that literally their membership base was all the state sport organisations and other affiliate um, companies or businesses that had got to do with sport. So that sort of straight out of university, I got in and were able to get a full perspective of so many different types of sport and administration and really that back of house side of things, how it affected and what actually were involved in in having to operate and manage all those different types of, of sport in the industry. Not just a big event, but actually the sport-specific stuff that comes into play. I think that's really important, that broad level of experience that you just spoke about as well it would have been so interesting i know when i my first job out of uni was at hockey australia and we didn't have the the blessing of maybe a big participation department like we me and sarah get to work in at tennis now but i got exposed to so many different things really helped me in what i really wanted to do and go into but you then said you went into the events part did that come from you think your childhood a little bit you spoke about being involved in racing and things like that which is very event based was that when you decided okay events is what i want to focus on or did you always sort of know that and it was just a really good opportunity first outside of uni and that's where you're going to end up anyway? Uh, I think it was, I always knew I wanted to do the Olympics at some point. And, you know, there's obviously certain things still on my bucket list that I just want to be involved in, but necessarily be at a higher level. But I suppose even with the racist stuff, that's the stuff I was like cleaning out the pubs and the bar area. And, and I was doing all that fun stuff with my dad at the end of the day because we were volunteers. We weren't doing anything glamorous when I was a young kid doing all that sort of stuff. But I think it was, I always knew I wanted to get involved because I just love, one, participating in sport, two, watching people achieve some amazing things in their own personal athlete and their ability. I like the aspect of people who don't participate, but they participate in watching and they get a sense of enjoyment and reward out of that as well, which I love seeing people have fun and enjoy that sort of perspective of it. You mentioned just then speaking about volunteering and and helping out. How did that help you in your journey? Because a lot of the time when you're first starting out in sport, there might be internships and, you know, you put all your volunteer experience on your resume and especially when it comes to sporting events, I think there's a real opportunity there for people to get some real skill sets that can set them up for the future. Yeah, I absolutely think the more experience, regardless if it's paid or not, that you get on the ground and actually doing is beneficial not just for yourself but for everybody because I think yes education university is fantastic and I think getting a degree is really important particularly in the fields that you want to go because it does a lot of deeper diving sort of aspect into various theoretical perspective but it's the actual experience on the ground to learn how to react what could happen what did happen what do we need to do to fix it you're not going to get that unfortunately within a book by just reading the best way you're going to remember it or so is experience it. And I think regardless, I just would say to anybody, definitely put your hand up to volunteer or work anywhere in those sort of things just to get that on the ground experience because that's the best way to learn. I think the point there around internships and, and, you know, getting experience outside of uni is just so important. I remember when I was sitting at uni and you would get different people come in and they'd tell you about how, you know, you need to do these field placements and these hours and you'd sort of go, oh, this is a bit of a drag. It's taking away from my weekends and things like that it wasn't until probably my final year of uni where I got to have a really great experience on my internship that I realized how valuable 
it was, what would be your advice to some people who maybe they're looking for event experience? How would they go about it? Or what should they do once they're actually got their foot in the door? How do they, how do you take notice of people like that? And a lot of my different roles, I think all my roles actually have had volunteers that come into play, particularly of the, the major sporting events and the likes. And I think what stands out for me with a person is their ability to have initiative, to actually um, know what you've said and be able to deliver it fairly easily. So a lot of a lot of the time, some volunteers don't like roles that they're put in. But the big thing is you can learn from any role. Like I've I've been in roles, even at a senior level, I've jumped down and gone into anything. You just got to be able to get in there and do it. It doesn't matter what the role is. It's about teamwork and it's understanding that every role is very important, regardless of what people think the level is or what you're actually doing. So the person who's got the hand up and says, I'll do anything for me is you'll learn something out of that because each role is is or is really important, I think, moving forward to understand what that that does and how it actually contributes to a successful event. Yeah, it's good advice. I think it's important because obviously anyone can do a number of roles and just because you can be doing something maybe higher than what you're placed into, it doesn't mean that you should scoff at it or anything like that. You might meet some great people and be able to really make an impact. And I think that also applies not just to volunteers and interns. So I know, you know, Ingrid and I worked at Swimming Australia together and Ingrid was the general manager of events. And because it was such a small organisation, when the big events came around, it was a kind of all hands on deck. So it didn't matter (laughs) what position you were in the organisation for that, you know, 10 days you were mm. reporting into Ingrid and whatever task needed to be done, whether it was running in, into the crowd trying to find some celebrity or official that you'd never met or whether it was trying to get the athlete who had, you know, came second and wasn't happy down to the medal ceremony, you just kind of rolled up your your sleeves and did it. And I think, um, and I'd be keen to hear what you think, Ingrid, but I, that that obse- people observe that a lot as well, you know. Um, so whether you might be in the participation or the finance team and if you're called in to help with events you know the way you go about it's really important there as well yeah I think my I suppose perspective of that is long time ago and I won't say the actual event because it's a small industry but there was a certain boss I had at one of the major events and um, it was one of my first ones and I remember very clearly there were some jobs to be done and we needed everyone to do it yet he walked away and didn't help. And if we had his help, we could have got it done quicker. Everybody else would jump and play. And I said to myself straight away, I'd ne- I'll never do that. I'll always make mm-hmm. sure that if things need to get done, if there's people, regardless, we just get in and do it. Because that in myself is your team's going to then deliver better if you see you actually do what you say at the end of the day. One of the perspectives I like to live by. And a lot of us get involved in sport because we love being part of a team. Absolutely. I love it. Like, I love it. If there's something to do... Sometimes I'll probably, the worst thing is I'll probably do stuff I shouldn't be doing. (laughs) True. (laughs) You know, and I should be doing other things than, um, you know, putting up signs or something where I just sometimes maybe I want to get away for a little bit and (laughs) have everyone ring me on my phone. Yeah. That team aspect of events, I always find so intriguing because, you know, you generally go from potentially event to event. How do you find it getting to know so many new people so quickly, particularly when often you're in leadership roles like yourself? I I think I, I'm very much you can you can read you can read me very easily. I am an open book. Getting to know people, I suppose the challenge is everyone has very different personalities and very different expectations. And I think I've learned a lot over the years is having to actually take the time to get to know people 
at the beginning and really understand their framework to make sure how then you communicate, manage and work with them. I think that's actually important instead of just jumping into things. Sometimes it's better to take a step back, get to know everyone better and then sort of bring them on the journey with you. I could see Sarah smiling a little bit and nodding along when you said you're an open book. So. <laughs> you do though is I would call you I was thinking about this this morning you know in preparing for this but a fierce leader and I admire how you are fierce and strong as a as a woman that's hard I find in sometimes our our workplaces without being seen as too overbearing and I think you have the I guess the balance really well my experience with you is you've nailed that balance you're I would call you a fierce and strong leader and just something that I think that's why we've got you on today. Lots of people can learn from you. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Sarah. And I think that's that's something I think for all females in the industry we struggle with the most is the perception of of females being assertive, mm. but being not assertive, but we're just direct we're we're being I suppose a clear direction of where we think things need to go. We're not going to um and ah about stuff. I like to go, well, I've got a team involved. If it's actually going to affect that team, I want them to know that I've got their back and the decisions I make is going to protect them as well at the end of the day. So I want to be able to make a clear and concise decision that to some people go, well, that's sharp and whatever. So, well, no, I just know what we need to do, so let's just do it. Because for me, I don't want any more time wasted that the team has to be either out late at night doing stuff or we're in a situation, I suppose, Sarah, we've been in somewhere, we've actually got people's um, safety sort of on our back and we need to make strong decisions to be able to be safe for the rest of the participants as well at the end of the day. And you can't be, I suppose, fluid and just sort of go, oh, maybe, maybe this, maybe that. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to make that call and you got to be positive about it, but also know, I know what call I'm making. Let's do it. This is the team. We can do it together. Let's do it now and I'll protect you. It's, and it's amazing leadership and I, I've been lucky enough to see it firsthand. I think I'd be keen to know, like, have you always been that way or is this something that you've developed and felt more confident in as, as you've continued to work or, or has there been, I guess, a mentor or probably several mentors that have helped you with, I guess, that balancing act? I think I've always been strong in a sense because my parents have been. So I've obviously seen how they operated and what you need to do to just make decisions and, 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 and do things properly. But I think along the journey, I was, you know, as with anything, if you don't, even now, if I don't know something, I'll sit back and listen a lot more than I would to participate in until I know the subject better. Uh, I do it now, you know, at, you know, in, in a lot of different stuff, if I'm not really aware of the of the understanding of what's going on, I need to learn about it. And I think a long time ago, I was lear you're learning all the time, but I think back 20 years ago, and I don't want to bring really equality into this because I just think it's, it's I call it now personalities and I want to say equality, is that women had to be stronger and be, and, you know, my voice had to be heard and so you had to be a bit louder and to get things done. And I think sometimes you learn off people and sometimes that was the wrong learnings and then you you go to another event and you learn of somebody else. So it's a constant, it's constantly learning as you go along what's right and what's not. So it's a lot of trial and error, to be really honest. We're not perfect at everything. And I think as we move forward, we get wiser and older, but we also learn from all the experience that we had. So if we don't learn from things that we didn't do well, we're not, we're not learning anything. I think I've always been and now I think I'm a lot more, I, I think I stop a lot more and think. <laughs> um, a little bit more than I've probably done previously. But again, I'll make some pretty, my decisions will be in the heat of the moment. If they have to be, they have to be short and sharp because you don't have time. And that's the thing in our sport and our events, you've got to be quick 
decision making because it's actually it's it's either the game's about to start or the gates are about to open what we need to do so you have to be able to think on the ground and fast I think it's it's come a long way that sort of stuff isn't it in terms of knowing yourself and how you want to lead rather than mimicking what other people are doing and what what you think you need to do so it sounds like you've you've been able to find your comfort level in that which is great one thing I did want to talk about and you mentioned it earlier that your ultimate vision for your career was to work at the Olympic, which you got to do. Do you want to talk us maybe through your experience working on the Olympics, what it was like when you did get there and, you know, what's what's going to happen next? Because you sort of called out early that that was, that was your ultimate goal. So you probably had to reassess that once you achieved it pretty early on. Yeah, so I, I got the opportunity from working with, um, I was living in the Middle East at the time, working on a uh, design and build of a new convention exhibition centre in Doha off the back of the Asian Games. So an Australian company, I was working for and then they had their facility management contract at the Wilkerson Stadium, which was for basketball. And so I asked, could I be seconded over to work on the Olympics, which they were, I was lucky enough for them to say yes. So I did a secondment over to Beijing for, I think it was six months. It was a long time ago. I'm trying to remember everything. But it for me, it was, I, I think you just got to embrace every opportunity that possibly comes to you. So it's not about like the culture, the language, the way they do things, the politics, everything you just need to absorb and understand and then work your way on then how to manage and deliver what you have to do under those circumstances. It's not about doing it the way you always do it. You're not, you need to be flexible and you need to be adaptable wherever you went. So I, I loved the Olympics in Beijing. It was I, I had so much fun. I suppose, you know, back then single and no children is a whole different matter too. <laughs> so just going to all the venues and the events but also running um we were the facility manager of the basketball and seeing that in action and, and being part of that absolutely loved and there's so many stories I think we all have so many stories out of out of things that we do and I love one day that we have you know everyone can add to a book on those different stories and experiences that I had because I think that's what we remember a lot is is those those fun and enjoyable moments and also the moments that may not be fun and enjoyable but you survived <laughs> Yes. And you mentioned you were working in the Middle East. As a female leader, how did you find that environment over there working in the Middle East with the the different culture and approaches to women in leadership positions? Yeah, so I was lucky that I got brought over um, straight after the the Melbourne Com Games um, with David Atkins Enterprise to look at the opening and closing ceremony. And my direct boss at the time was also a female. So I sort of was lucky that I've been able to be put in positions with already a strong female leader above me as well. So, and once you got in there, you just got your orientation of, of how things operate there and what to do and what not to do. And again, if you would, if you adapt and adopt to what's in front of you, it's much easier than trying to push against it. You know, and as time went on, I, I actually loved working there. I think as a female, it's, it, never really dawned on me that that was a limitation uh, or I didn't let it be a limitation, let's Mm. just say that. Uh, You just got to work a way around the different aspects to show your, I suppose, knowledge and experience and how you can provide that to whatever project that you're working on. I think you mentioned earlier that, you know, it was a bit easier when you were single and had no children. I think you now have a three-year-old sort of running around. Five-year-old. Five, yeah, coming on five. Wow. (laughs) Yep. So I imagine you're in Brisbane, so you've just gone into a few days lockdown, so I'm sure that adds a few (laughs) challenges as well. But how has, I guess, motherhood impacted your career and potentially when you're moving around and things like that so much? So I, I had my son just at the beginning of my role with the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast. To be honest, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. It was really challenging. I think 
we put a lot more pressure on ourselves as females now when we have children to try to do everything. We all, I think, generally, females just think we can do everything and do everything on our own. And let's be honest, we can't. Nobody can, realistically. We need to have support and that around us. So I had some really great support with my my parents and that helping me juggle because I went back to work three months after he was born because the role I was in, I wanted to make sure, one, I didn't lose the role. And, you know, I just had to then manage. My priorities changed, though. I think the ability to work and be more succinct on things changed because I knew I had to get home and I had to pick him up and I had to do this. So you've got responsibilities that can't be left like you're washing and things that you used to do and you just leave it for a week. You can't do that with kids. (laughs) I think that's a good one as well. You know, you had to get back, you had to leave on time. The world kind of keeps going. you know, we get in these little ruts, especially, I mean, we've been working from home for nearly 12 months now where it's so easy to, there's been nothing to do. So you're still working at eight or nine o'clock at night. That work-life balance is just so important, especially, you know, looking at the bigger picture of what we've been through in the last 12 months. It is. And and I think you don't realise it until you sort of, you know, either you're mentally exhausted or you're physically exhausted. We always seem to only notice it once we're actually sitting on the floor. But we need to be able to be aware of oneself early. Uh, And, you know, we can't just do everything as much as we always try to do that. So even now, you know, I found myself working more hours at home too because, you know, we've been working at home a fair bit in Brisbane you're still just, because you are, you're just sitting here. So you actually don't have the distractions of an office and your time just gets away from you. But you nearly have to plan your diary to say, stop work, go for a run, go for a walk. You know, you nearly have to do that to remind yourself that it's more important to be able to focus because I feel you can't focus on a long day or doing late hours. Your focusability reduces significantly. So the work that you're outputting also reduces significantly. So I think it's, you know, something like that within offices they should be really aware of and and personally you should be really aware of it as well. You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, rewarding experiences and I'm really keen to hear about what your favourite memory um, or favourite, not event, but, you know, working in sport, whether it's been your favourite memory or the most rewarding event that you've worked on because you've worked on such a range of events across, you know, different countries and, and you know, the likes of a home com games as well in your own state. So keen to hear about, you know, what's, I guess the one, if you can call it out, that you really stood there and sat and thought, wow, I can't believe this is what I've achieved over this period of time. That's a really hard one, I think, because, (laughs) because, you know, I only do, reward is a very, reward as well doesn't have to be physical reward or anything like that too. It's just your own personal self going, gee, we did a good job. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Um, And I think, Every everything I've done, there's always there's been lots of moments like that. There's not over one just big moment. But I think if I had to really put one forward, I do I would put forward the opening of Suncorp Stadium when we did the redevelopment back in the day. And the first event we had was um, one of the State of Origins, where we only had two days of actually handover from the construction company to to operate without being under sort of that construction sort of workplace. So we only had a really short period of time and we were just working around the clock. And I think that first event, once everybody left, we all just went, wow, we just, you know, we pulled this off. 
in a really short time. And I think a lot of people and events will get that because apart from the last year where things have been postponed, a lot of events don't get postponed. They That's the date it's happening. And you've got to work to that date regardless. You know, it's not going to shift where we've learned that things can shift and they sort of have to shift, you know, to work towards that. So definitely I think Suncorp Stadium was just a massive team effort and it, it was just, it was fun and it was such a great reward to have that first game happen. The other one I think, Sarah, you were part of as well, and I have to say was... <laughs> <laughs> we do I know what's coming. <laughs> Look, the the Pan Pacific Swimming Championships was held at a brand first time ever at the Commonwealth Pool on the Gold Coast before any event happened. But it was the weather that we had to deal with over the event period that everybody had never experienced before. So we just all had to band together and do the best we could under the weather. So I think there was a massive sigh of relief when that was over. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We literally had a cyclone didn't want on us oh. for, for three, four days. Didn't stop. 80K wins, everything got thrown on us. I tell you, that venue got the best test event you could ever have before the come-up games because everything got hit on that particular three or four yeah. days we had. In theory, an outdoor uncovered pool on the Gold Coast is perfect and Ingrid was um, working out of the Brisbane office, so telling everyone in, you know, the Melbourne and the Canberra offices that <laughs> it'll be so nice, we're going to have a week up in the sun. You know, none of us Southerners took any warm clothes, so we all had to buy the jumpers up there. It was freezing. I was in pants the whole time, just getting smashed by the wind. But they're some of the funnest memories that we – like I still look back on some of those photos and just laugh <laughs> at the things that we had to do and remember watching the stand or the, the TV or whatever it was kind of sway in the wind and you saying <laughs> only fire if it goes up anymore the stand might go so we need to be prepared so <laughs> they're the experiences that you talk about whether it's you know you can't believe that actually happened at the time it wasn't the most fun but I can tell you what after we finished and we all had drinks at the pub it was it was great fun yeah that was a great moment <laughs> the drinks at the pub part. it sounds like so, that was well deserved Oh, absolutely. And I think all of us, everybody, doesn't matter. We all pat each other on the back to for that particular, even the athletes. I mean, we had broken world records in that pool, that, that event as well, which was fantastic. And it just shows the conditions around doesn't necessarily even should detriment the mindset of the athlete too, if if everything else is in place for them to, to, to participate. But we, we did have so many things. And, again, it just goes back to my point on learning on the ground. You don't know until it's happened to you sometimes, one, how you're going to react, or two, what you actually have to do. You can go through all your own contingency planning like we did, what if, what if, what if, but you just need to know who are the people on the ground, where are they, and how can we work together as a team to fix this or do whatever we need to do to make it happen. Everything from going out and buying 100 umbrellas <laughs> for our referees to, you know, watching obviously the wind gusts were significant and we just said, right, it's a general admin, um, general admission, everyone can sit wherever they want to. We're not going to put people in spaces that, you know, they didn't want to go up into the grandstand. So you've just got to make calls and you've just got to make it quick and you've just got to make it in a way that, you know, as I said, you're protecting everybody as best you can. But again, I remember sitting up in, in one of the um, VIP rooms just before things going, my goodness, Mother Nature really doesn't like us right now. <laughs> 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 but again, it, it for me, lots of reward out of that because we, we all came from our resilience and a lot of stress. Everybody was stressed, but we did band together and we pulled it off. And I think that is a, an effort and, and should be recognised for all the team that whole day from Swim in Australia for that one. It's not an it's not an individual person that did anything. It's everybody. Sounds like it was a pretty good effort to get through that one. 
Ingrid, you've had a lot of role within sport, but also working on events and things like that outside of sport. Can you maybe talk to us a little bit about your experiences going between the two? And I think probably some people who get involved in events always want to work on sport events and maybe don't take the opportunity to look at other areas. Can you talk to how that's helped your career and how you've been involved in other events and industries? Yeah, sure. So I think every time, you know, back in the day when you're event gypsies, you sort of jump from event to event and move around as much as possible. And then you sort of get into this mindset, I need more security. I need to, you know, where am I actually going in my career, in my life? But I think everything I've done, I've always wanted to sit on a different side of the fence to learn a new skill, but also learn from a different stakeholder as well and understand the perspective because I think within events one of the things that is your collaboration and understanding how to collaborate because events is not just about sport you've actually got governments and stakeholders and sponsors and small businesses and community you've got a massive 360 stakeholder list that you have to deal with and make sure that it can operate and be communicated to make an event success so everywhere I've sort of gone I've been able uh, I may not be an event. I've done a lot of project management on other sort of projects before. They're not necessarily event specific. They've, they've been marketing. I've done marketing campaigns and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's it's just one learning that to listen and understand the stakeholder you're dealing with to make sure it's not always going to be a one-way street. You need to be able to be accommodating and also make it all work together and really collaborate. But anything you do, I think, can be transferred into major events and sport. Everything from risk management, business continuity, negotiation skills, contract management, contingency planning, understanding different cultures. So it's nearly doing your homework before you go in so you understand, well, who am I talking to? What am I doing? How it needs to be delivered? And what are the, the barriers around it that we then need to negotiate or alter to make it work? And this is across anything I think we do. Events and sport, I feel there's a lot of common sense needs to be put in play. Common sense should prevail, hopefully, at the end of the day with a lot of things we do. But but also we need to have some sort of level of procedure and policies to make sure we are doing things correctly as well and not off the book. We've been through a lot of your experiences and the the variety of experience that you've you've mentioned. You seem like you're pretty good at setting yourself goals and what you want to achieve. So have you thought about what the future holds for you? Any future goals that you've got listed or, or want to share? Yeah, so I do have a little bucket list of events that I love to do. <laughs> Um, more just to be part of. I don't care what role they're in. I just want to experience it to, at the end of the day. And I'd, I'd really, truly rather experience an event working than I do sometimes watching. I, I just have. It's just what I love doing. If I'm watching an event, I end up watching how people do stuff than I do the actual sport on the field half the time. I like to see how things operate. My future, I suppose, I recently, after the Commonwealth Games, set up a new company called Better Events VR. So, and that's looking at new technology within virtual reality, augmented reality and 3 and 4D design and how we can use the new technology into doing things better in planning for major events in sport. So for me, that's one of my goals is to continue with that because I really believe we can do things better. One, also, so we can reduce the administration and we can collaborate better going forward. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. But that sounds very, very impressive what you're working on and you sort of just <laughs> almost like glided 
Yeah. And I'm a little bit upset that we've got to the end of nearly our last question and we're only just getting to that now. So we may come back to that at a later episode or something like that once it's, uh, you've had some more experience with that because that sounds very, very impressive and something that's very exciting. So sorry to interrupt. No, that's all right. Well, you know, I, I love innovation and I love I, I love innovation and I love trying to be more effective and efficient in how we do things. I love getting people excited about what if we do this, what if we do that, like how do we make things easier and more exciting. And I think with this technology and my partnership with Real Serious Games, so a tech company, is it's just it's phenomenal the stuff that we could do to make planning easier but more fun and collaborative and actually at the end of the day we're then, you know, we're more we're focusing on things and we're more trained in what we need to do so we feel we can deliver a better event at the end of the day. So I've always sort of loved that. So for me going forward, it's, I've got so many ideas, it's, it's probably too many. So I'm only allowed to have whatever I can count on one hand at one time is my own personal rule. <laughs> well, speaking of some of your own personal rules, I think that's a pretty good one. But what are some other tips or rules, as you called it, that you might give people who are just starting out in the sports industry or, you know, maybe they're just coming out of uni or going into uni? Do you have three tips you'd give them? Three tips. Don't stop learning. Just because you leave uni doesn't mean that's the end of your education. I think, as I said, technology, particularly trends, are you know, things are moving so fast that you sort of nearly have to keep up with that technology and trends that are pushing in your industry. So keep learning and, and getting the experience. Always, it doesn't matter for me, an expert, there's lots of experts out there, but we're always going to learn. Something's new going to come on that we didn't know previously. So I just, that's probably tip one. Two, particularly for, I suppose, females coming into the sport administration or the events industry is there is no jobs for men and there is no jobs for women there's just jobs so whatever you want to do whatever you love and whatever you're passionate about go for it it's not oh we I can't be the CEO of an AFL team or I can't be this and can't be that it's it doesn't matter if you want that that's where you just need to you know go for it and so many opportunities you never know what opportunity could also change your direction you know and that's one of the exciting things is that any opportunity comes your way could completely change your direction and where you want to go but but mainly there's no jobs for men and women there's just jobs yeah that's a really good mindset to have I like that um and the last one is definitely have a strong community around you I think as I said before you know we we particularly women carry everything on our own shoulders and we want to be strong and positive in front of everyone. But, you know, there's a lot of times I've just had to ring friends to get advice on or or just go, you know what, I'm struggling. Can you help me here? How do I deal with this? Because you need that ability to bounce ideas off and, and to have that conversation with people, one, in your own head to move forward that you're doing the right thing, but two, also you just generally have people around you and it's, it's just human nature. Um, and having that group of people to support you along the way is really important. I think in the last year, I've seen that more than ever and been really proud of so many people just, you know, just ringing, how are you? And that's just it. And I haven't spoken to them in over two or three years. But in this industry, I think we're lucky that a lot of our contacts and our friends we make along the way are for a very long time. They're not just for that initial one or two years or that event. We keep it close to us because I think the experiences that we have are quite, leave some scars on us sometimes, but we remember them either fondly or not fondly, but we know that we can rely on people. And I think it's having that ability to rely on someone, even if it's just a suggestion, it doesn't have to be for any personal motivation as such. It's just to, you know, I just need a quick chat. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think they're all, yeah, great piece of advice. And especially 
that last one as well, I think, is why you enjoy what you do so much is forming those relationships and having some pretty interesting times with events. Some sound good, some sound bad at the time, but it sounds like you figured them out pretty well as you went along. Well, I just want to be, you know, I want to be that old woman sitting on a Harley telling my grandkids all these stories that they get annoyed with me. Oh, here's another story. Here's another story. <laughs> back in the day, back in the day, I did this. Well, the good news so. is you'll now have a podcast episode that you can hopefully <laughs> yeah. share with them. I'll have it ready um, for their uh, Christmas yeah. presents every year that we listen to it around the table. Yeah, exactly. But no, thank you very much for your time today, Ingrid. You had some amazing pieces of advice there and some amazing stories to share. So we wish you the best of luck with the next year and things like that with uh, COVID as we work through that. But hopefully we can speak to you again soon. Yeah, Sounds thanks, Ingrid. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We are so grateful for Ingrid's time today. It's been amazing to hear from someone who's worked on so many major sporting events around the world. We look forward to you joining us next week as we hear from Cass Lowry, General Manager of Government Relations at the NRL. But I actually think it's really important that we learn from that. I actually really enjoy talking to someone who maybe have a complete opposite view to me on an issue. And because you're learning, that's all what it's about. It's just different perspective. 